0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of this podcast. Um, hi, how are you? How is your day? How is school? Just how are you doing? Are you okay? Um, welcome or welcome back to this podcast so this episode we will be talking about the um about re- reading theological history and rearranging the bible's canonical order This may sound like boring work, but it's important. Anyways, as I mentioned in the last episode, this is to help acquire a better appreciation for the historical dimensions of the biblical message. The Bible isn't a theological book arranged according to topics like God, man, sin, and salvation. And we are aware of that. Plus, it isn't just a book of events that begins with the creation and then ends with an apocalyptic event, better known as Revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, my lovely listeners, the Bible isn't just a storybook or fiction. There's so much to it. Those were real people and real lessons learned. When I was little, I loved reading the stories of the Bible. Um, I was literally there for the stories alone. I would watch cartoons every Sunday morning as I was getting ready for church while my mom is like, go and get dressed and i would just be like sitting there watching the cartoons and then when she comes in she comes and then she starts yelling at me because i didn't do anything and i was just watching tv yeah i would watch those cartoons like every sunday morning while i got ready for church or like whenever it was on tv anyways historical events are usually the bible subject matter however they were always documented from a particular perspective, which is a theological history. I know I said the Bible is not a theological book, but rather the perspective of which um, things were documented was in a theological way. And it's seen as the arena of history that God has chosen to make himself known to us, you and me. Now let's dive into the history and the Old Testament. We are aware that the Old Testament is centered in history. It's almost like a build-up. There are things we learn about, like the creation, the family line of Jesus, the Israelites, Hebrews, and so many others. It describes historical events and is, at least at one point in time, to a specific historical audience. Who, you might ask? Well, you probably guessed it. The Hebrew people. This makes the faith that is taught in the Bible very different from the beliefs of other ancient Near Eastern people. I always asked myself, like, were there other people God spoke to apart from the ones in the Bible that were like not documented in the Bible? Or was it just the people in the Bible? Moving on. The people that surrounded the Hebrews built their religious beliefs, the rhythms of nature. You know, like um, astrology and believing in the universe. Well, these are just a few examples. The world had visible patterns, but to the people, these patterns and rhythms were unexplainable, uncontrollable. To them, it meant, oh, these must be gods, They felt like these things occurred whenever and however, and no one could control it. So they were attributed to gods. They were gods to represent every phenomenon of nature. They were gods of the sun, the moon, the rain, storms, rivers, seas, and the earth itself. If you are from a cultural place, you're probably familiar with this we even see this in certain cartoons or animations I think you can find this in almost every culture they have their names in different languages but some of the popular ones that I think most of us are aware of or have knowledge of are the Egyptian and Greek mythologies for the Egyptians, the most popular one would be Ra, the god of the sun. So let me just talk about Ra a bit. Um, I'm getting somewhere. Um, just hold on a bit. So Ra was the first pharaoh of the world. Um, back then, the gods inhabited Egypt. Every day, Ra's golden sun ship would sail across the sky, and each night you would travel through the underground world, sailing the rivers of darkness and fighting off monsters. The Egyptians celebrated each sunrise when Ra emerged victorious again and caused a new day to begin. This simply symbolizes the rising and setting of the sun. Other gods are Gab and Newt. Gab was the god of the earth, while Newt was his wife, who was the goddess of the sky. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Then there is Shu, god of the air, and so many others. While in Greek mythology, we all know of Zeus. I'm sure you've probably come across at least one Percy Jackson book or, or movie or even a random video or picture or something talking about Zeus. Anyway, Zeus, also known as Jupiter in Roman history, was known as the chief god, more like the head, the captain. I think he was god of lightning. Though I'm not sure. There's also Poseidon. Known in Roman history as Neptune. Was the god of the sea. I'm sure you've heard this phrase. Oh Neptune in Spongebob. Well now you understand. Neptune is known as the god of the sea. And bikini bottom is in the sea, under the sea. I used to love Greek and Egyptian mythology. I used to be so interested. I used to be so invested in all of that. What happened? I guess we'll never know. Anyways. <laughs> Typical religious expression of such religion was a myth. A story that explained this unexplainable features of nature. Almost every people have a myth of a deity who was dead for a part of the year and alive for the rest of the year. Sort of a story that explained the recurring circles of the seasons. It's like, human nature to always find a reason for something or some type of explanation god is one all the phenomena that other people regard as gods are simply the creation of the one true god remember that in the other religions of the asian near east nature was divine in the bible god created nature and was And is more than nature. The God of the Bible deals with his creation. Not in recurring regular patterns. But in a one time extraordinary moment of self-revelation. However, one cannot compare God's act on the earth with these myths. Because they weren't described in vague or in a mythic language like long ago in the land of the gods far far away rather god's acts occurred in real time real locations that are recognizable on earth till this day you might be thinking well some of those some of the places where the myths took place are also recognizable on earth remember there they are myths or stories that tried to explain the recurring cycle of seasons for this reason the old testament's primary mode of communication is not myth but rather history israel is not interested in describing how God acts in continual repetition in nature. Israel wanted to tell of how God had performed unique one-time actions in human history. They wanted to tell how at a specific moment in history, God chose Adam, blessed Jacob, and saved their descendants from slavery in Egypt. They wanted to tell of how God established his chosen king over Israel, how he allowed the kingdom to be destroyed and once again saved his people from captivity. To tell their very different sort of faith, the Israelites use the art of history writing not all books of the old testament consist of history writing the parts that were not history writing would usually appear in some historical context these parts were the oracles, speeches and poetry of the prophets but they are addressed to real people in real historical situations. They recall God's mighty acts of the historical past. They also promise that God can and will act again. The books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are famously known as the books of wisdom and philosophy. Um, they do not talk about history, nevertheless. They are identified with the historical context of King Solomon's court. Even the books of Psalms, which were filled with regular repetitions of worship, often contained historical background. An example is Psalms 3, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Might be wondering why did David, a king, run away from his own son? I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future episode. But little context, Absalom was planning a coup to overthrow his father, David. Moving on, Israel understood God as One, to act in history. So, therefore, almost every religious utterance was read in light of the history of God's mighty act. Rather, therefore, to understand the Old Testament as it is meant to be understood, we must have some knowledge or grasp. The historical events that lay behind each chapter and book. Now that we're through with the Old Testament. we move on to the New Testament. It's connection to the Old. The Old Testament was the Bible of the New Testament writers or authors. Old Testament concepts filled the mind's of the New Testament's authors. Allusions of the Old Testament appears on nearly every page of their writings. The New Testament writers also believed that Christ Jesus was God's final revelation, the one who brought the earlier revelation into proper focus. In Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 2 it says God after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. Although the risen Christ himself had explained to the to his disciples in Luke 24 verse 27 how he fulfilled scriptures. The New Testament writers understood him to be the one who brought um, to completion God's plan of salvation recorded in the early chapters of Genesis. know about how... The Old Testament was the New Testament Bible. So many people these days often disregard the Old Testament saying stuff like the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. I actually had a discussion with one of my friends about two years ago about this same subject. I've forgotten what exactly the topic was. But she was like, well, it doesn't matter because it was in the Old Testament... And since Jesus died and rose again, it doesn't matter anymore. Well, the discussion ended in like a few minutes. I think she got angry and she said she didn't want to hear anything again. So that was that. And I know that there are certain things that we still debate on. So I want to ask a question. If the Old Testament writers referred to the Old Testament books, what makes you think the Old Testament isn't relevant? During his time on earth, Jesus also quoted the Old Testament. While listening to Bible stories with Brianda, I learned that the most quoted book of the Bible by Jesus is Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is in the old testament writing in the new testament is a theological history the writers believe that the purpose and meaning of history could be found in jesus christ this means the history they wrote was in fact a salvation history the saving works god performed earlier looked forward to the cross god be- Sorry, bringing the Israelites out of Egypt became a pattern for Christ's atoning work. Passover meal was a remembrance of deliverance from bondage. Knowing God saved the Israelites from Egypt, in the book of Exodus, Christ made the bread and wine symbols of his death and the new covenant. Paul, the most influential teacher of Christianity, wrote about the Jesus who appeared to him on the Damascus road, describing the risen Christ as the one through whom are all things and whom we live. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6. Now let's talk a bit about the message and the historical setting. While both the Old and New Testaments present their messages in a historical frame, the message takes precedence to the historical setting. The writers of biblical history and modern history didn't have the same manner of writing. While modern writers are concerned with when something happened, how it happened, specific dates, discussions of natural causes. These things weren't exactly important to most of the biblical writers. In rearranging the bible's canonical order, the individual books included in the Old and New Testaments as authoritative, are called the canon. For some readers, the placement of these books in our English Bibles called the canonical order is a bit confusing, since it doesn't really follow the chronological order. Rather, it follows the order of the Latin Vulgate translated by Jerome in the 4th century AD. The Old Testament can be followed chronologically for the first dozen books, Genesis to Second Kings. And after that, the chronological order often disappears. The books of Chronicles through Esther backtracks and retell many stories and events that have been told before. Parts of the psalms and proverbs refer to times that are centuries apart and the prophetic writings speaking of wildly different times are not presented in straight chronological order this also happens in the new testament where the life of jesus appears in four gospels matthew mark luke and john and they report information about Jesus in general chronological order. It's, but it's not strictly done. There are certain sayings or events that appear in differing sequences in the different gospels. Each of these authors had a slightly different purpose and audience in mind and structured his writings In order to achieve the greatest effectiveness according to the difference between the four gospels by reverend Dave Rogers Matthew is the most Jewish of the gospels it seeks to tell the story of Jesus Christ to a distinctively Jewish audience Matthew's purpose in writing the gospel is Vince devote and dedicated to the first century Palestinian Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah of God. Mark's gospel is written more as a sermon that serves as a motivational call to action and conversion that appeals to common Greeks. Unlike the other three Gospels, Mark is not concerned with details, but centers on one's personal personal choice to act. Ultimately, Mark concludes with an implicit call to action. This Gospel tells a powerful story with a challenge that essentially asks believers, what they would do with what they know. Luke is a sophisticated account of the life of Jesus that is intended to appeal to educated Greeks that were a whole generation removed from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and who are no longer interested in mythical stories from the past but want to but want a conclusive argument in support of the validity of the historical figure of Jesus Christ. Finally, John's gospel is wholly different in many ways. It is not presented to convert people to Christianity from other religious traditions, but it is written to devoted committed Christians in the church that John founded and led. As these Christians struggled to understand the challenges of faith and fidelity to Jesus Christ in the world that they saw as increasingly hostile to their belief, John writes to encourage the believers in the validity of their decision to believe in Christ. Okay, let's see this in a marketing way. When you want to advertise a product, you have a certain audience in mind which you hope to reach out to. So you'll promote that product to that audience. Same goes for the four, gospels, four gospel authors. They had a story and a message. However, it was written in a way that was intended for different audiences. I still have your attention. Okay, moving on. When it comes to Paul's life, determining the events that happened isn't easy. This is because the information from his letters does not always connect directly with the narrative of the books of Acts. Thus, the canonical order presents a dilemma. Understanding the history of which the Bible refers is important. At the same time, though... That history background is not readily apparent from the order of the books in the Bible itself. Whole books of the Bible will, will be relocated to the historical time period narrated in the books. This might seem irreverent to some people. A quick fact. The order of the books in Greek Old testament also known as the septuagint i hope i'm saying this correct differs from the older hebrew bible and some of the septuagint i think reordering is reflected in our english old testament the early greek translators thinking a chronological order would be would work Move the books of Ruth, Ezra, and Nehemiah from their positions in the Hebrew manuscript. In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth does not appear after the books, the book of Judges, but near the end of the Bible. While the books of Ezra and Nehemiah come before the books of Chronicles, even though they narrate events that happen after the events narrated by chronicles let me repeat that in the hebrew bible the book of ruth does not appear after the book of judges but near the end of the bible while the books of ezra and nehemiah come before the books of chronicles even though the events they narrate happened after the events narrated by chronicles When the Old Testament was translated into Greek in the Hellenistic era, 336 to 37 BC, the confusing chronology of the Hebrew Bible was changed. The book of Ruth, which tells the final years of the judges, was placed between the books of Judges and 1 Samuel. Ruth came after judges and then first samuel followed the judges were the um ones who ruled and led in battle and later on the israelites in first samuel cried out wanting a king and the title king kind of took over from the judges the books of ezra and nehemiah were then placed after second chronicles not only will whole books be moved but also portions of books. The content of certain individual books are not in chronological order and will make it difficult for a modern reader to understand the historical context. This is present in the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And finally Combining portions of books. Various books will be woven together. For instance, historical books like Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles often have prophetic books or passages that pertain to the time described in the history. There are imposing difficulties with the attempt to construct either relative or Absolute Chronologies Many biblical passages offer no chronological specificity. Even among books and passages that provide some indication of a specific historical context, the intended context isn't always clear. Difficulties vary with the different books of the Bible because they differ from each other. For more detailed information on The Rearrangement Principles, you can check out the Chronological Study Bible and read through everything to get a better understanding. I guess that's it. If you're still here, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Favor, wherever you are in the world. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. God bless you. Love you. Bye.